0: you're listening to the bounding box where we talk about web development, geo development and everything in between. All right, so welcome to the bounding box. So today I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by Jason Otero. So Jason, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, what's your problem.
1: Hi, uh yep, Jason Otero. So been here at Esri for quite a long time now. You're 25 this year. Started back in 1998. So 25 I know quarter century. Trust me, it's uh. Sometimes I feel like it's been a long time, and others, you know, it feels (laughs) like yesterday. (laughs) Like lots changed around here. Obviously, that amount of time, but I um, I for the entire time I've been part of Esri, I've been part of the human resources team and primarily focused on what we refer to as talent acquisition, which is also known as recruiting. So helping people uh, find their way here. As far as my problem, I guess it depends. got lots um of <laughs> all first world for the most part, as I would call them nothing nothing major, but uh us see at home, I got a a little one who is uh a teenager, so I guess I can call him a little one anymore and looking at going to his first dance, so we got plenty of oh, discussions wow. at home around a little guy going to his first dance and all that um here at work, I think you know really we don't we don't have any problems I mean esri pretty been a pretty great place you know to work and a place a great place to recruit for. Uh, I mean, I guess at this point in time, you know, the market's pretty interesting, right? I think as we, as we all know in the tech industry. So we've been very fortunate to, um, you know, to not have to deal with what a lot of others do in the context of layoffs. Yeah. So that's, that's nice. No problems, no problems there. Um, But, you know, conversely, we're still doing a little bit of hiring and a lot of people are nervous, right? About making moves. So you've got those who are kind of holding, holding tight, right? Don't want to take any chances, even with a stable company like ours. And, And conversely, you've got others who have been let go and are, Kind of, not the nicest word to use, but kind of desperately seeking something, right? And so you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta find the right ones, as always. So yeah, yeah it's has rough out there. there.
0: You see what some of these other companies are going through, and some of these other people out there. I mean, yeah, it's rough. I can only imagine. I was
1: laid off first before I came here. Believe it or not, this is my second job. Uh, first job I was laid off from, and I, so I know I know how it feels. And it was uh it's one of the worst feelings I can ever can recall having. Oh, Quite wow. a surprise. Sudden, everything comes toppling down on you. You know, so. I uh I can be I can be empathetic to that, that's for sure.
0: Now pretty much all the, the devs at Esri have gone through you at one point or another, right? I mean that's what you're doing that out. way,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. You know, when I joined the, the company there were about ten people in human resources. Now we have close to a hundred people that make up human wow. resources here at Esri. Okay. Uh but you know, there were about just over a thousand employees when I joined and now we're over five thousand. So you, you look at it numbers wise and it, it it makes about sense. Um, so yeah, but to your point, I have been very fortunate to bring a lot of the people in engineering. I've been supporting engineering since 2005. So for 18. -18. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is. So, like,
0: what would you uh, let people know that are interested in maybe applying to Esri? Because I know we send a lot of um, – we have people go out to, like, the college campuses. They have, like, career yep. days and stuff like that. And yep. uh, we're out there at conferences and stuff, too, and whatnot. But people that are somewhat interested in Esri that might be interested in applying, what, what advice do you have for them? Right, what, How do sure. they get started?
1: Well hopefully more than somewhat, right? Definitely more <laughs> people who are uh, who are really interested. Actually, um, before I get into that, I did have a conversation with a, a young man the other day and you know when we started the call, I said, first question I ask everybody is just why Esri? You know, and his response was, Well, I really don't know anything about the company, I just saw the ad and applied. And, you know, that that is something that I would give in terms of advice right away is any company that you apply to, I wouldn't invest a bunch of time necessarily at that juncture in terms of research, uh-huh. um, depending on, you know, the individual. But once you know you're going to have a phone call, you absolutely should, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for for everybody's benefit. I mean, for one, on my side, I want people, as we all do, right, who are interested in what we're doing and who we are. Um, but on the other side, you should have a little bit more background and figure out like, you know, what are the questions I'm gonna wanna ask these people when I talk to them? What is what information is not popping up when, during my search, right? Things that I need to know for me before I go ahead and get further down the you know the road. I mean interviewing takes everybody's time, right? And we should exactly. be respectful in both in both ways. Um, you know, but outside of that, I think some of the advice I try to give to people is first off, don't overapply. you know, every now and then I'll come across individuals who've applied for 20, 25, 30 jobs. (laughs) And I, I, you know, at some level, I get it right. Like you want to cast a wide net. You're really interested in this organization, but on the recruiting side, you know, when, when you're in my shoes, then you wonder if the person really knows what they want to do, right? Do they... Do they have any type of focus? And and frankly, it's pretty hard to be qualified to like twenty things. You know, um, okay. that's just unlikely. <laughs> so, so is that possible? Like know, they
0: could do that. They can go on the career site and apply yeah. to a bunch of them. Oh, well, I didn't know you could do there's that.
1: There's a cart. It's basically like a shopping cart. Yeah, so you can just put jobs in a cart, right? And then it just does it all for you. So it makes it pretty easy. So a lot of people have taken advantage. And then some of the tools that are available with websites like LinkedIn and Indeed kind of provide the same functionality. And so people just click, 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 click. Um, So I I always tell people, look, you know, two or three, right? Number one, that's probably as many jobs as you're qualified for, probably as many as you're really interested in. Keep it narrow and trust people like myself to say, you know what? I don't think he or she is a good fit for this, but they might be a good fit for that. So there's a lot of movement behind the scenes. I send, you know, candidates to my colleagues every day, right? People that apply for roles that I don't think they're necessarily best qualified for, but they might be qualified for something else. So, you have to you have to trust us, which I know is asking a lot. I know that you know we have a it's this whole HR black hole and ATS black holes. I, I get it, um, but I will tell you that you know most organizations that I'm familiar with, we all look at every single person who applies. So there isn't a single individual that you know. And I deal with on average, depending on how many roles I have out there, as many as you know 50 to 100 people a day that apply, and I have to look at every single one of them. Right, so. Um, we we do do that. So a don't overapply. B when it comes to your resume, you know don't don't overdo it. And what I mean by that is one two pages at most. So I had to put one together not too long ago um, for a, an event that I was attending, and I still could get it on one page. Right, 25 yeah. years of work, and I could still get it on one page. Um, trust again that. You know, as a recruiter, as um, uh, when you do interviews, Renee, when hiring managers do them, we'll we'll dig into the details. We don't need everything you've done, including like the fact that you know where the bathroom is down the hall, kind of <laughs> stuff. Which I sometimes feel like in you know, like it's 45 bullets under each job, like I don't need to know every single thing you've done. Give me the three to four things that are that you feel are super important. We'll talk about the rest, right? Um, and then I guess lastly, your cover letters. That's always a topic. Like, should I take the time to do one? it doesn't hurt. I can promise you that every time I see a cover letter, I read it. Um, cover letters take people over the top, right? Sometimes I look at a resume and I'm hemming and hawing like, I don't know. And then I'll read the cover letter and I'm like, yeah, I see there's a lot of interest here. I see there's some really cool stuff that they've done that they want to do. Let's pass it forward. So, and it doesn't, again, similarly to the resume, it doesn't have to be an essay, man. Like you can knock it out in, um, you know, two, three paragraphs at most, just, just, you know, hit the high points of what you've done, what you want to do, why this place looks like a good match between the two, off you go.
0: I think kind of like you were saying earlier, it kind of shows an effort, right? You've made an effort to look into the company, what they are, what they do, and you have to show an interest,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, engineers, you know, when you when you look at the, the job market in general, right, there's a few fields where the demand far outweighs the supply, right? And engineering is one of those. So you can make the argument, and I see it frankly, all the time, um, even when people choose to to move on from Esri to other companies where other organizations don't maybe do as much um, know, due diligence as 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 Esri does in other companies. We're not the only one who does it. Um, but that's something you have to think about too, the candidate, right? Like if you apply to this organization, you just dump a resume, they call you, they have one person interview and they make you an offer. Is that a place you really want to go, right? Like sometimes yeah. we get heat here because our interview process is you know, you talk to an HR person, usually have an hour-long phone call with somebody like yourself or a peer of yours, right, kind of a coder pad exercise where we vet whether or not, you know, they they have the technical skills to do the role, and then usually it's another four hours, right, meeting up to, excuse me, meeting up to eight people, we usually pair them up, and so we'll get pushback sometimes, right, like, oh, that's a lot of people. You're going to work with these people 40 hours easily every <laughs> single week, yeah. right? Um, they become your friends, sometimes they become your family, like, do you really just want to meet one person and then say, let's go for it? Like, I I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't do that. Like I I appreciate the fact that we allow people to meet with a number of individuals that they would work with. Um, They can find out what they like, what they don't like about Esri, about their work. And it really just provides that, again, that kind of wealth of information that you, that I think we all should have before we jump into a relationship like this, because it's a relationship, that's that's what it is. So why would you not, I mean, I mean, some people get married after a first date, right? But most don't, <laughs> right? Like, it takes some time to, you know, to get to know the person before you tie the knot. And this is similar. Like, why would you sign your name to join an organization after talking to one person? I don't personally get that. Like, you know, spend I the time. that's
0: a key it. point, too. When, um, like, interviewees come in and they talk, they like said, they talk to maybe, like, eight people or so. But it's, like, paired up, mostly. Yeah. They talk to a few people. But it's also, we're taking the time, too. Like, the people at Ezra are taking that time mm-hmm. to do it. So it's, like, we're investing time just to get to know you. And mm-hmm. interview and stuff, and like you said there's the initial like tech part there 's a really basic kind of tech hurdle you get over tech interview mm-hmm. bit to get in there, and not you won 't those interviews won 't necessarily be tech interviews where you do engineering right. right it's we might, right. and i don 't usually do them i don 't do like whiteboard stuff with the uh, people I interview i'm more interested in the problem solving and how they go about doing things, but I know people that will because they might have for their particular needs, a specific skill set they're looking for. So right. then they might do a small tech interview part in addition to what's already been done. But yeah, yeah, like we put a lot of time into it.
1: We do, we do. And it's not, you know, it's, it's to your point. It's not like, um, it's not like a final exam, right? Like yeah. it's not crazy. Our, our intent is, do they have the foundation, right? Like one metaphor I use, like if you're building a house You know, we want to know that the person can level the ground or the concrete, you know, maybe put some walls up, you know, uh, painting, interior decorating, you know, those kind of things we can teach you. We can help you with those. Right. So. So really, for us, it's identifying the foundational skills. Can we build upon right uh, that that foundation of that house? And then and then off we go. And and as I'm sure you've heard, Renee, I mean, like my job isn't so much the what. Right. Like the what is, is your job and your peers job. Mine is more the how right yeah. so it's it's not just you know what people do it's it's how they do it one of my colleagues um, used that phrase years ago and it's really stuck with me and i think it's really important because even when you think about how we do our you know twice a year performance review stuff right it's 50 percent of it is on what you did did you did you build the app that you were asked to build the other 50 percent is how you did it right were you were you nice throughout that <laughs> process right yeah, exactly did, did you communicate clearly <laughs> with people right um you know all of the different things that are kind of to use HR speed kind of competencies more so than technical applicability. Cause you know, it, you can be a, a total rock star as a developer, but if you're a jerk, it's not, it's not good enough. Right. Yeah, like exactly. There, there has to be that balance. And, and that's part of what these interviews are intended to find out. It's not just, can they do it, but how they do it.
0: And communication is a big key there too. Cause like you said, on the reviews that we do, communication is huge on there. It's like, it's huge. you know, did you communicate, you may have done a lot, but did you communicate all that work that you did? Do other people are other people aware of what you did? Have you shared that knowledge with others, right? So there's that whole bit I mean, as well.
1: I mean, I'll tell you, Renee. When I, you know, I go to the our conferences and stuff and talk to customers and et cetera, I I think what I mean, look, what you all do from an engineering perspective, you build some amazing tools. I mean, the functionality, the things that they can do. Again, being an HR guy, I'm obviously easily easily impressed, but it's it's really impressive. But at the same time, it's the community, right? It's the community that we have built through communication that is really, I believe, what makes Esri the world leader in a space. There's no shortage of, of written material, of, of videos, of audio, right, of, of help that people can get. Communication is so, I think, undervalued in engineering. Again, a lot of times people think about just the tech, how you communicate about the tech, how you communicate internally building that tech. That's what really makes a difference.
0: I hear that from people all the time when they talk about working with Esri and working with engineers. There is that they really are involved in the community. It's not like they're these you know behind some curtain somewhere doing some work and they never get to see them. They just use the product stuff. We're out there talking to customers, talking to users, and dealing with people on a regular basis, right? It's like a very thin like veil there between us and them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, I, I'm, I find it really super interesting. I mean, I read lots of articles obviously just to keep up with trends and things. And I don't, to that end, I don't see as as many companies doing it as I think should it, it really does help build this sense of support, right. That, that I think we all appreciate in life, be it at work or, um, you know, at home. So
0: and there was one thing, too, the whole like work-life balance. And this came up because someone messaged yeah. me yesterday, actually. They're going to be speaking at a uh, college for a presentation or something um, in mm-hmm. a couple of months about this. And they actually found an article I wrote after my first year at Esri called My First mm-hmm. Year at Esri, where I talk about the whole work-life balancing, mm-hmm. which works really nice. Because, And I stress this to people when they ask me about working at Esri is that it's not as if there's someone looking over my shoulder every step of the way. You're an engineer. You're trusted to do the work you're going to do. and But again, if I need to take some time in the morning to take my kids to school or something, I have that flexibility to do that, which is great. And I I really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, we we're, we try to be good there. I mean, I'm sure there's opportunities, right, as, as they're all for all things, as there are for all things, excuse me. Um, but I, I found that. I mean, that's part of the reason I've been around as, as long as I have is the organization really does understand the, the value of balancing those two. Like you said, I when I talk to people about this on the phone, you know, I say, look, you have to get your job done right if if yep. you get your job done and you happen to do it between you know six and eight and you're off between eight and nine like you said you're taking somebody to school and you're back you know at ten you know as long as you're not missing meetings and stuff like that yeah, there's exactly. plenty of flexibility around here you know i i um to your point i mean i we have a a under one year old dog, which is acting like <laughs> my teenager, my human teenager. And I got to run home, you know, once or twice a day just to let him out. I mean, fortunately, I live close to, to where I work. Um, but it's it's that flexibility, right, that just enables me to not even worry about that. Like just to know I, I can run off and do that. My boss, as you pointed out, trusts me to get my job done. He's not standing over my shoulder. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the work life, when you when you go to sites like Glassdoor, right, I mean, there's always going to be negative comments, you know, uh, that's, that's to be expected. It's like when you look at reviews of a restaurant, right? Most of the people exactly. who write <laughs> reviews, right, the psychology behind it is it's people who are upset, not people who are happy. They have people just move on with their day. Um, but you're going to see a lot of positive feedback about work-life balance at Esri. That's something that consistently has been, uh, has been out there. And I, I feel like we do a really good job about with that you know i mean now we're moving into the remote versus not remote you know hybrid etc um, and that still is obviously a sensitive uh, subject and i think esri's doing the best they can to navigate it and we all have our personal feelings about it right like you know me as not individually i like being in the office i think there's a lot of value to being here and, and being able to just walk across the hall and have a conversation with a colleague that i might not think to do um, if I had to call them, you know, and video share with them, um, I also find that there's like I think being productive in a in a remote setting is is not super complicated. I think it can be even more productive at home potentially if you don't yeah. have those distractions like I just mentioned, somebody coming over here and bugging me to just have a chat about <laughs> something. But I do I do feel as though like creativity is one thing that really has value in person. You know, you get a bunch of people together and you get them in a room and you start just talking about things right and light bulbs go on, you know, and that's something that I fear if we're overly focused on remote that we could that we could lose, not just as an organization, but as a society, frankly, like we can't can't lose that, you know, and um, I'll tell you what I, I find and I think this is somewhat opposite of what people presume. But when I speak to younger people, people at universities and you know, people just entering the workforce, almost all of them, Renee, they want to be in the office. Almost all yeah. of them. You know, they want that opportunity to, to learn from somebody, to see how people interact and communicate. And you find now that more people like in my age, age group, which I'll just let people presume what that is based on the color of my hair, um, is, uh, are those more of the people who are asking to be remote? You know, because they've they've already established these relationships, right? At work, they've they know how to work, and so the argument that I sometimes give have with these people, or arguments are hard work to use for it. The discussion I sometimes have with these people is like, you you've been able to grow up through an office environment, and now, granted, you again, you built these habits and relationships, so you you don't necessarily need it, but you're now denying this younger generation, that same opportunity, right? And and is that really fair to them, right? Just because it works for you, strong word, but it's kind of selfish, right? Like, I don't think it's fair to the, you know, the people that are entering the workforce that are now not going to have that opportunity just because I can do it, right? Yeah. So we have to find that balance, you know, I think, and, and not again, from a societal perspective, getting a little heavy here, but not, not push up, you know, not, yeah, not, not put them at a disadvantage. Um, and then you just think about like your friend groups. I don't know about you, but like you look around the room, sometimes you're hanging out with friends. How many of them were people that you met through work? Yeah,
0: exactly. um, I met my
1: sp- You know, I met my spouse through work. Right. And so if I never had those opportunities to be here, cause I was told I had to be remote, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, I think sometimes we're, we're, we're leaning towards like what's best for me and forgetting about what's best for everybody.
0: That's some great insight there, Jason. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so uh, I want to be a little respectful of your time here, Jason, but before I let you go, you have any yep. uh, tips or tricks for uh, listeners out there? It doesn't even have to be HR or work related or anything like that. Anything <laughs> at all you want to drop?
1: <laughs> I, I, um, I feel like I've, I've shared a handful of good things, you know, really, it is important, you know, to to build a network of, of of people, right, that you can lean on when it comes to looking for jobs. Um, I, I think it's always good to, you know, to connect with individuals, say, hey, you know, where do you work? Do you like where you work? What do you think about where you work? Um, do you think I'd like working there? You know, th- we do, one of the challenges, you know, with, um, with applying for jobs is you are competing with a lot of people, right? I mean, I did mention that, you know, the demand outweighs the supply in engineering. Um, but, but it's, it's, it still is a big pool, right? I mean, as I said, I'm still getting 50 to 100 people a day applying, right? And so making yourself kind of stand out, one way to do that, as I referenced, is kind of a cover letter, a nice, clean resume, don't, you know, make it easy for me, right? If I got to look at 100 of them, and you've got all these, you know, badges and and links, <laughs> and, you know, just yes. all these things that are distracting, right? Like, it's it's, it's, it's just that it's distracting. So, come clean and come simple, come interested, um, use the network, right. Just to, I mean, it's not like, you know, we or any other organizations only is pursuing people who are referrals by no stretch of the means. But if I have somebody come in, you know, through the regular portal and then I happen to get a note, you know, through teams from, you know, from you and Hey, you know, my friend, you know, Jane, she applied Jason, can you just take a look? I've worked with her before that's, that's going to, you know, just give me a more, more, um, one little step above, right. For that individual, for that, that review. So um, yeah. Anyway, just, you know, use, use that network, keep things clean, simple. Don't over apply. It's probably the best I got.
0: Awesome, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for today. Thank you for listening to the Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.